Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Texas Force Nation podcast. I'm Steve Schaefer of the Houston Chronicle with Astros beat writer Chandler Rome, who is in New York amidst this rather scintillating nine games the Astros have been playing. A couple with the Mets, four with the Yankees, two more with the Mets to come, and one more with the Yankees in this stretch. And Chandler, certainly the last four days at Yankee Stadium pretty much lived up to the billing. We've seen some very uh, fascinating baseball. Oh, it was it was epic. I mean, that's probably the only way you can describe it. I mean, everyone coming into the series, the players, coaches, they all tried to be diplomatic and say that this is just a regular season series. But anyone that was in that ballpark, I mean, it it felt like the ALCS. Like even as the Yankees are getting no hit through 16 straight innings, the the fans are hanging on every pitch. Um, the the atmosphere was was really incredible. Um, just top to bottom these two teams really looked like the class of the american league and it doesn't really look close right now these look like the two deepest most well-rounded just the two best teams in the al now obviously things can change it is only june 27th as we talk right now but that looked like an american league championship series preview and um the baseball was just as good there there, this was not a a poorly played series there were a couple defensive miscues on both sides but the, for the most part, this was as well played, as crisp, and as just fun to watch as you'll see regular season baseball ever. And that's not something that can be said a lot. Dusty Baker, even after the game yesterday, uh, a tough game that the Astros got walked off, he was able to kind of find a silver lining and say that how good this was for the sport. And I have to agree with him that this was really good for baseball to have four games like this as intense and as competitive as they were in June. Dusty kind of said it well, I thought, at the end of the series. It was kind of Judge 2, Astros 2. So Aaron Judge, walk-off single on Thursday, walk-off homer on Sunday. And I guess with a lot of people who watch the games, I'm thinking, hmm, two outs yesterday, two on, might take my chances with Anthony Rizzo. Talk about Dusty and what he said in terms of, you know, you got this philosophy, we're not going to let this guy beat us. And apparently he was willing to let Aaron Judge beat them. Right. And I was talking to a player before the series began. I was talking to an Astros player and I was asking him kind of just in generalities about the team, about the Yankees, kind of what he had seen looking at them. And and this person said, you know, we're not going to let Judge beat us. And then they proceeded to let Judge beat them in two games. Now, look, um, did Aaron Judge single handedly beat the Astros? No. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton hit home runs in three of the four games. Um, The Yankee bullpen was unbelievable against the Astros. That was one of my biggest takeaways from this series. You know, the Astros, I think, have a very good bullpen. Uh, The Yankees are elite. Their bullpen is at another level. And they only use Clay Holmes once in the the Sunday game. Clay Holmes, who has morphed into the best reliever in baseball. Aroldis Chapman is still on the injured list going through a minor league rehab assignment. But it seemed like everyone they put in there, every reliever they put in there really – uh, did flummox the Astros. The, the the Yankee bullpen in four games, they threw 13 and a third innings. They allowed two runs and five hits to the Astros. And a lot of that was kind of a prolonging of one of the Astros' biggest weaknesses all season. You know, they left 29 base runners in four games and went seven for 32 with runners in scoring position. That's a 218 batting average. That ain't going to get it done. And they haven't, and that's not just a blip against good against elite pitching like the Yankees have. They haven't hit with runners in scoring position all year. They've been pretty bad in clutch situations. Uh, you saw yesterday in the tenth inning, or on Sunday in the tenth inning, Kyle Tucker and Yuli Gurriel each come up with with one, with the bases loaded, needing one run to go ahead, and they get weak pop outs from both of them. Now, granted, that's against Michael King, 
who's a really, really good reliever. But when you get to the playoffs, you're going to be facing really, really good relievers. Uh, so, you know, the thought that it was judged to the Astros, too, I, I don't think I think Dusty was kind of being more in jest a little bit. But um, certainly, you know, it was it was curious that they pitched to judge at all in either of those situations. And look, I'm not saying if Dusty walks judge in either situation that the Astros win those games, it, it's they're in difficult spots as it is in the Thursday game. When judge comes up, um, there's a base open, but you know, one run loses you the game and you get up to Anthony Rizzo and um, you have your best reliever on the mound and Ryan Stanek, but uh, or one of your best relievers in Ryan Stanek. But when you load the bases, you know, if you spike a breaking ball and it gets away, uh, the winning run scores without a ball being put in play. Um, last night uh, or yesterday, I thought it was a. I, I thought yesterday he should have walked him. I think yesterday was almost indefensible, um, and, and probably you know the the thing that I, the thing that I was more curious about, you know, Dusty walked Matt Carpenter in that inning too. So so the the Yankees sent up seven, eight, and nine in their batting order. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who bats seventh, he sacrificed, bunted uh, the automatic runner to third, and then Aaron Boone pinch hit Matt Carpenter. Um, you know, Matt Carpenter's not not he's not menacing, but I guess the point I'm getting to is Aaron Judge was not supposed to hit in the inning. Aaron Judge is hitting second. He was not going to hit in the inning unless another runner reached. So Dusty walking Matt Carpenter um, basically made. Aaron Judge even coming up to bat a possibility. And then with two outs, runners on the corners, the base is open. The only run that matters is at third base because one run loses the game. You know, I, I take my chances with literally anyone but Aaron Judge, the presumptive American League MVP, the, the best player in baseball right now, who had already walked you off on Thursday against a reliever in Seth Martinez, who, look, he, he's a rookie. Um, he's been a wonderful story this year. He had a 17-inning scoreless streak going into that game, but – a lot of that was in mop-up duty. A lot of that was not in any games of any consequence. That was probably the first time he's ever been put in any sort of high leverage role. And it, it's not easy facing Anthony Rizzo. Like, I mean, Anthony Rizzo is a great player, but um, to, to put it up to him to be against Aaron Judge, that just that didn't seem like the play. And look, Dusty's right, too. If, if they walk Aaron Judge and, and, Aaron, and Anthony Rizzo comes up against the base hit, you know, there may be some second guessing. Or if they walk... Uh, Aaron Judge and you know Seth Martinez loses a slider that gets past Jason Castro and, and the and the winning run scores like that. There may be some some second guessing, but again, I just I, I go back to what the player told me uh, at the beginning of the series, and I kind of go back to the axiom: you don't never let a, another team's best player beat you. And the Astros did that uh, twice this week. Well, and I was thinking interestingly too. I think Aaron Boone. I think we could see he wasn't going to let Jordan Alvarez beat them. He pinch hits with. Two out, nobody on, and Boone wants nothing to do with them. And of course, Jason Castro, I think, was next in the in the order. But it is an interesting deal that 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 there is this philosophy, and I, I think Aaron Boone wasn't going to let Jordan beat him. Uh, talk about you know Jordan Alvarez right now is in a groove. I know he, and then it was kind of remarkable to hear Dusty talk about well, the hand isn't a hundred percent back to what it was, but it, you sure wouldn't know anything from the way he's hit uh, since coming back. Um, where does he stack up among like guys who've just been hot for? a real long period of time. It seems like he's just been hot since the start of June, if not before. He's got the highest OPS plus in major league baseball and OPS plus is a, it kind of adjusts for ballpark. It kind of adjusts for everything like that. League average OPS plus is a hundred. Jordan Alvarez is a 198. Um, he's pretty good. 
Um, and I think everyone is seeing now, and I don't know if it was appreciated maybe before this season or before he signed this big extension, that, that this isn't just a power hitter. This isn't just a guy that's going to go up there and hit home runs. And look, he is. He's hitting a ton of home runs. He's got 22 home runs. He's slugging almost 650. Um, but he is just an elite hitter in general. Like, his swing decisions are so good. He knows when not to, he doesn't chase a ton. He doesn't swing and miss a ton. He is just an elite hitter. And I, I, I get it when you go up there and you see him, he's this hulking big guy that hits these 450 foot home runs and you just think he's this slugger. But I mean, he's hitting 312. He's hitting 300. Like he, he's a really, really good hitter. And look, if not for Aaron Judge, if not for Mike Trout, we'd probably be talking about Jordan Alvarez for, for MVP. Um, and he's certainly going to be well in the conversation, but but it is you know worthy of noting that he is a designated hitter. Um, he's played a lot more in left field this year, but um, certainly DHs have to be otherworldly to, to, to warrant a ton of MVP discussion. And Jordan Alvarez has certainly been otherworldly. And you kind of look at kind of some of his trends. His walk rate has increased from 8.4% last year to 12.6% this year. The MLB average is 8.6. And then his strikeout rate has plummeted almost eight percentage points from last year. So, you know, part of that is teams don't want anything to do with him. Like you just mentioned, they're pitching around him, um, especially when the bottom of this Astros lineup is this, this is not as deep of a lineup as the Astros have had in previous years. So you can get away with pitching around Jordan Alvarez and just attacking Kyle Tucker and hoping Kyle Tucker doesn't really, really beat you. Now he did that in the Friday game at Yankee stadium, hitting the three run home run. But, um, you know, I, I think Alvarez, um, has really kind of introduced himself to the baseball world, you know, because he came up in 2019 and had that great rookie year, but it was half a season Then he missed 2020. And last year he was really good last year, but he, he was nowhere near this level. I mean, he, he was very, very good last year, but he has taken another step this year. Um, certainly has the the candidacy and certainly has the claim that he may be the best player on the Astros team right now, either here, either him or Kyle Tucker, but certainly Jordan Alvarez is carrying the Astros offensively and he could do that all year. Yeah, he gets my vote. I, I remember uh, in the postseason last year being down on the field and watching them take batting practice and they have so many weapons, but it's like you watched him hit and heard the sound off the bat. It's like th- this guy is different than anybody else they have. And um, one interesting note, obviously, and you talk about the kind of the, the overall hitter he is. Right now in Major League Baseball, if you took minimums of 300 batting average, 400 on base percentage, 600 slugging, it's him and Paul Goldschmidt, and that's it. And uh, he's just he, he's 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 very much fun to watch. You mentioned uh, Araldus Chapman not being back back with, yet with the Yankees and the depth of their bullpen. It kind of leads me to look at the Astros' starting pitching situation. Jake Odorizzi's made the first of his two rehab starts. He's got another one coming up and and was pitching well, really was pitching about as well as he's pitched with the Astros when he went down against the Red Sox. Assuming he's coming back and is ready within about a week, what do you do with their rotation right now? Christian Javier was just spectacular on Saturday. And since abandoning the cutter, Jose Urquidy has been outstanding. Talk about a plethora of pitching. Yeah, I mean, we've said it since spring training that they have a surplus of starting pitching, but it really bore itself out um, against the Yankees this this week because if I'd have told you going in that they were going to get starts from Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander to start the series and there would be a no-hitter thrown 
during this series. I bet you would have put all your money that Justin Verlander is the one that no hits the Yankees. Uh, but instead, the, the the starting the four starting pitchers combined to allow five runs in 27 innings. Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander allowed four of them. That should just go to show you the 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 work that Jose Urquidy and Christian Javier did against a very 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 good lineup. Um, and it's not just one start, like you said. Um, this has been a, a prolonged thing for both Urquidy and Javier that that they have really cementing themselves as as legitimate starters and Javier more so really than anyone. Um, he's now got a two seven three ERA this season, and opponents have a one eighty eight batting average against him. Opponents are hitting one ninety one against Justin Verlander. So technically, Christian Javier has been harder to hit than Justin Verlander. He is. When he is on, I, I firmly believe this, that he is one of the Astros' three best pitchers when he is on. You know, maybe behind Valdez and behind Verlander. Like, I think he's this team's third best pitcher. Um, the problem is they just haven't had really a spot for him in the rotation. But I think they're going to have to to make one. Uh, because we saw last year how difficult it was for them to find any sort of consistency with him in the bullpen. They, they wanted to keep him stretched out in case that they wanted to start him again. But, you know, because of that, he couldn't pitch on back-to-back days. And then they would try to use him as this multi-inning leverage weapon. But, you know, where is the value in that if you come in and you're already losing the game or, or something like that? And then, you know, they, unless they have found a way – that to depart from last year, I, I don't see how they're going to maximize his value out of the bullpen. Um, but at the same time, he's the most apt and the most youth, most familiar with um, pitching out of the bullpen. So is Jose Urquidy, but Urquidy, like you said, he is a, he, he came into this season uh, debuting a new pitch, a cutter that could, that they hoped could help neutralize right-handed hitters. Um, the cutter didn't perform poorly. Like it was a decent pitch for him, but you know, reading between the lines and reading kind of what Jose Arquiti was saying after each start, I think just the thought of having to incorporate that, incorporate a brand new pitch while trying to work on some other stuff. You know, his changeup wasn't doing what he wanted early in the season. His slider needed some work, and the command of the fastball was was a tick off trying to have a new pitch on top of fixing all the other stuff that goes on during a season kind of became too much for him. Um, so he just decided he scrapped the cutter uh, before his start against the Rangers on June 14th. And he's had three starts without the cutter since then. Um, and he allowed two run and he, in the, and in those three starts without the cutter, he's allowed five runs in 19 innings. He's lowered his ERA uh, almost a full run from 504 to 4.36, and opponents have a 496 OPS against him since the cutter went away. Again, it's only three starts. You know, you'd, I think Javier has certainly shown more over a longer time frame this season that he probably cements a spot in the rotation. But Urquidy's also much more used to starting now. I mean, he hasn't been in the bull, he hasn't been in the bullpen in a while, but he is accustomed to it. He's done it before, so. You know, it's a it's a it's an odd conundrum, but it's certainly one that the Astros are happy to have. Um, you'd rather have a surplus than have a shortage, and they certainly have a surplus. You know, Jake Odorizzi is going to make one more minor league rehab start that should be on Wednesday. I'm not sure which affiliate he'll be with, whether it's in Sugarland, 
which is on the road in Albuquerque, or whether he just goes to Frisco and pitches for the Corpus Christi Hooks against uh, the Frisco team. So um, after that, they're going to have to make some decisions. But if you look at the schedule, um, they, they do they don't have a ton of off days coming up. You know, they they play 19 games in 20 days before the All Star break after this off day that they're currently having. They play 19 games in 20 days, and then after the All Star break. They play, I believe it's 30 games in 31 days. So they could very easily slide back into a six-man rotation and have that work well for them. But we also know that Justin Verlander has been pretty adamant about wanting to pitch every fifth day as a normal starter would. Um, so it's going to have – it may be a lot of finagling, maybe messing with uh, some rest for Luis Garcia, for Urquidy, for – Javier, they may not throw on four days rest like normal. You know, they may skip them and, you know, give them a couple extra days so Verlander can, they can accommodate Verlander's request to pitch every fifth day. So they can do it. Um, it's just going to take some maneuvering and some calendar watching and some meticulous planning. But, you know, you do have to remember, too, if you go to a six man rotation, that inherently leaves you an arm short in the bullpen. And one blow up start by whomever, be it Verlander or Keedy, Garcia, whoever, one bad start could really turn that bullpen upside down. And when you're a man short, it could it could be a little little costly. But that's the that's the risk you run when you have a six man rotation. So um no one's making it easy on them. Um, I think if you would ask me two weeks ago, I'd have just kind of said, oh, yeah, Urquidy or Javier is going to the bullpen. It's going to be a difficult decision, but one of them is going to go. Now I just I, I don't think you can do it. I think they're all too valuable to to put in the bullpen and not know that they are going to pitch at least once every five or six days. Yeah, it seems like you want to maximize their arms at this at, the, at this juncture. I want to talk to you about one reliever, and we don't we haven't really talked much about him on the podcast. But uh, Ryan Stanick now has a streak of nineteen and a third scoreless innings, spanning twenty I think it's either twenty one or twenty two appearances. And uh, granted, he gave up the hit to Judge, but he really inherited kind of a tough jam from from Presley a little bit. But um, have you talked to him much this year? What what's made the difference for him because he's been Great, and his velocity on Sunday, I mean, he's pumping 100, 101, and just looks outstanding. Yeah, I mean, he is authoring an all-star sort of season, and it it's tough for a middle reliever to get into the all-star game, especially one that, you know, look, Stanek's not pitching the eighth of the ninth inning. He's usually, he's kind of been the fireman of sorts that's come in when, like, like you know, when the starter leaves and there's two on and one out, they go to Ryan Stanek to kind of clean up the mess. Um, he's pitched the seventh inning. Um, he'll pitch the eighth inning when Hector Neris is down. But, um, you know, I, I think certainly the velocity is there. I, I think um, with him, the thing that goes a little bit overlooked is how good he is against left-handed hitters. Um, he's got the splitter that really, really neutralizes left-handed hitters. And I think that's why the Astros feel so comfortable using him really in any situation, because as Dusty Baker will tell you until he's blue in the face, he does not have a left-handed reliever in his bullpen, which is something that angers him very much. But when you've got a guy like Ryan Stanek, who has held left-handed hitters to a three for 33 clip this season, um, you can get away with that because he is, he's got the split that's able to neutralize uh, that side of the plate. So he's really good at, at both sides of the, the uh, uh, both sides, at handling hitters um, both sides. But, you know, getting the split for Chase, you know, he's able to run it up to 101. And the Astros really don't have that 
you know, he's kind of been the missing thing that they haven't had. They, they had, I mean, he was on the team last year, but they didn't have enough of it. They didn't have enough just swing and miss pure go at you and just, you know, get whiffs. And, you know, they've, they've got that in Stanek now with the, you mentioned he's, he's throwing one-on-one the other day. Um, when you can do that and throw the split and throw, you know, he's got a slider that he likes too. So, um, it's been a it's been a really revolutionary season for him, and, and certainly a credit to James Click, who had Stanek in Tampa when they when they were together there, and kind of saw something and brought him over here. And this is probably the most sustained success he's ever had. Probably should be, like we mentioned, probably should be in the All Star game in LA. I don't know if he's going to end up there just because of the the role he fills, but you know it's not going unnoticed by the Astros. I mean, he, there's a there's a claim to be made that he's their best reliever. And, you know, he's got a 0.71 ERA, but ERA is kind of fickle when it comes to relievers. Like you just mentioned, he did give up the game winning hit on Thursday. Uh, The run that scored was not his, but um, you know, he's got a 0.9 whip. I mean, he's striking out almost 10 per nine, like everything you want in a reliever, Ryan Stanek's kind of exemplified. And I, I think as they go forward, you know, there's certainly a case to be made that if, one of the people above him falters. He deserves kind of more, more. Uh, he's already pitching high leverage innings, but maybe more so increased leverage innings. Let me ask you one more question: Is the All Star break is not too far away? A few weeks away. We're in the midst of this nine game set, and it was talked about this gauntlet they're going to run. We're really going to see maybe don't make too much of nine games, but then there's a kind of like, well, should we not make too little of it? I mean. They swept the Mets, too. We really haven't talked about that series. Now they've got two at City Field coming up. So they're 4-2 and two in this so far in this nine-game stretch against the Mets and Yankees. And I would ask you, like, do you feel like, do we know more about this team in light of these last six games than we did going in? I mean, was there something that we're kind of finding out about the Astros? Well, I think inherently you do because they play in the worst division in baseball. The, the Astros do. Um, the four teams in this division are all under 500. Um, two of them are fighting each other on a daily basis in the Angels and the Mariners that had the benches clearing brawl. And um, they've both underperformed. The A's are a disaster. The Rangers um, have probably been about as good as we thought, just maybe not the way we got there because Seager and Simeon have both struggled this year. But, you know, they've been fine. But, again, this is not a good division. So the Astros, you know, before this series, you could have very easily said that the Astros got fat and happy on kind of the dregs of baseball. But coming into this series, the Astros had played the fewest – coming into this nine-game stretch against the New York teams, excuse me, they had played the fewest games against teams that were currently above 500. And they only had eight wins against teams that were currently above 500. Well, they've now added four. They've now added four to that against these two teams. So I think the first thing we can say is that, you know, maybe don't worry about the division being bad. It's not, it's not a mirage that the Astros are still good. They're still very, very good. And they're still going to challenge uh, for a world, for a world series. But, you know, I do think it's kind of shown a little bit, maybe, um, you know, I came out of this Yankees series thinking that maybe they're a leverage arm short in the bullpen. And I wouldn't have thought that going into this, going into the series because the bullpen had been so good. Um, they had been so locked down and so shut down. Uh, to me, it looks like they're an arm short. Maybe it's because I just watched how good the Yankee bullpen was. They just ran in there with all, with every arm and just ran through the, the lineup with relative ease. Um, the Astros just, just, Maybe they're a leverage arm short, so maybe that's an, an area where James Click's going to export the trade deadline. Um, 
I think it kind of reinforced that they're a bat short too, that, that, you know, if there is an urgency, if there's an urgent need, or if there's an obvious upgrade that this club can have, it is offensively. And I think they are a bat short. Um, it should be noted that Jeremy Pena only has played in one of uh, these first seven games of uh, these first six games, excuse me, against the New York teams because of the injured thumb that that changes the lineup dramatically. Um, but uh, he's still a rookie. He's still, you know, going to inevitably hit the rookie lull and, and maybe not be, you don't want to be counting on a rookie to kind of deepen your lineup. So, you know, they got Jake Myers back in New York. They, I think their actions by optioning both Jose Siri and Chaz McCormick to AAA kind of exemplify how much they like Jake Myers. And they're going to give him as much leeway and as much of a leash as possible to kind of take that center field job and run with it. But if he can't, then I think, you know, that becomes an area you need to look to upgrade. Um, I think we certainly saw this weekend. I mean, we've, we've, I've said it on every platform until I'm blue in the face, you know, they're not making a change at catcher. Um, Martin Maldonado is too valuable to the pitch calling, to the game management. I mean, you saw how he handled the no hitter. Um, you saw kind of, I mean, he's the one that's calling the pitches. He's the one that's doing the scouting and the advance. And, you know, he put the game plans together that just muzzled the Yankees for four games. So um, they're not making a change there. Um, maybe a backup catcher could be in the cards, but again, like where, like, backup catchers are not going to come in and like just revi- revitalize the Astros. So I think maybe more than deadline acquisitions bat wise, you know, they, they need to get Alex Bregman going. They need to get Yuli Gurriel going. And um, I think Yuli Gurriel, there could be a conversation there. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to get rid of him. I'm not saying they're going to bench him or anything, but they may need to, if, if they're serious about it, you know, they, and July rolls around and Yuli's not showing much signs of a turnaround. And I think he is showing some signs that he's getting better. He's taking some better swings, he took some better swings in New York, had some bad luck, was hitting the ball hard. But um, if the numbers still are what they are in July, you know, I, I think maybe if there is a corner infielder out there, you know, maybe you look to that and I'm not saying you bench Yuli, but maybe you find a platoon partner for him or you find a timeshare sort of situation with him. But um you know, I, I I think that also would disrupt the clubhouse chemistry because Yuli's beloved in there, and so is Martin Maldonado, which is why that's not going to happen. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it other than just looking at who's got a bad OPS and saying we need to replace that guy. Um, because if you interrupt like a culture and a clubhouse cohesion that has been so strong through a lot of different stuff in the last four and five years. Um, you threaten a lot more than just, you know, on field results. So um, as far as what I learned, you know, or what we're learning in this nine games, you know, I think maybe that the bullpen could use another arm. And, you know, I think we've, we've kind of have to resign ourselves to the fact that maybe this is the Astros offense. Maybe they're just going to be one that they'll score some, they'll, they'll explode for one game and then go quiet for six. And, Maybe three or four runs is their just kind of max. And, you know, the nine or 10 run games should be really cherished and appreciated because there's going to be more of the two or three run games. But again, when you have as good of a defensive club as they have, and when you have as good of a starting pitching surplus and good of a pitching staff in general, um, it does kind of take some of that pressure off. 
And of course, they do play good defense, which helps you uh, on a daily basis. But uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, we've still got a good five weeks before the the trade deadline, but uh, we'll be following that more closely as the calendar turns from June to July. And of course, the Astros uh, keep this nine game set going, two games at City Field. Interestingly, the, the Astros swept the Mets last week. If they were to do that again in City Field, they would eclipse them for the second best record in baseball. So they have the chance to do that. But uh, we'll be following. I remind you, you can follow Chandler Rome in the pages of the Houston Chronicle and at HoustonChronicle.com and on Twitter as well at Chandler underscore Rome. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Steve Schaefer, and we'll talk to you soon. 